thank you for the work of preaching that you know you do. Um, it's a high call, and uh, if you look at the handout there, uh, you know Paul says to Timothy, he gives him this command: preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Um, preaching is primary. You, you look at Acts as the church spreads; it's it's preaching that that motivates the church the spirit and the word it's that spirit word combination uh, that that joins together brings creative dynamism and moves the church forward um yeah do you have a handout yes they're right here anybody lacking a handout thanks thanks um, just at the top of the handout there, I just jotted down a, a, a quote I read a number of years ago, but I've never forgotten. It says, if Protestantism is found dead, bad preaching will be the dagger in their heart. Um, a bit melodramatic, but I think there's, there's, there's truth there. Um, example, the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival, 1904, the evangelist Evan Roberts, he, he comes in, preaches the gospel. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. Um, even the prime minister wouldn't campaign in a, in a town where the revival was happening. And he said, we don't want to stop the revival. A Lloyd George. Um, within uh, months of the revival peaking, everything had gone finished. You go to Wales today, the chapels are empty, they're private residences, farm buildings. I, I remember somebody saying they were heartbroken. One was even a pigsty. And, and the church historians have uh, suggested that the reason for it was that the evangelist was never followed up by the teacher. That there was, there was no um, sustaining, so that the, the blaze was kindling. It wasn't logs. Uh, and and the, the actual teaching ministry to sustain and, and to mature was, was missing. And so that's what we are giving ourselves to, that teaching, preaching ministry. Um, so there's four things there that I've written down for you that I want to look at. And, and because this is interactive, I don't want to talk and then ask questions at the end Let, let's have a conversation Put your, you know, chip in uh, make comments um, you know, add in your experience let, let this be a, a conversation that we have together ok so text, take off flight plan, landing so it, it's like a plane journey um, you start your plane journey with your ticket or your text and I, I would urge you to always let that be biblical. Don't base a message on a principle of psychology or a business practice or, uh, you know, education or anything like that. Um, but always, always, always at the beginning or close to the beginning of your message, open your Bible. Uh, that's your authority. So it's not coming out of your mind or your heart. It's coming out of God's word. Uh, I remember talking to David McFarlane uh, one time who 
you know, many of us know, great preacher. And I said, we were actually having lunch at uh, uh, um, a restaurant down the road here, Moxie's, and uh, he, I said, David, I've no, I appreciate your preaching. I notice you often use a, a Bible story. He said, I always use a Bible story. I never preach without I open the Scripture. And that sound of, you know, the pages of Scripture turning, I mean, it's less so now because everybody's getting their, their, their things out. Uh, their devices out but there's no substitute for hearing people looking up the scripture as, as you declare the word of God you know what one of the things we've lost in the charismatic church is the public reading of scripture uh, and, and I think that's to our detriment um, when you do that when, when you are uh, choosing your scripture uh, be realistic I remember somebody was running their sermon by me uh, and uh, they had a reading that was 73 verses long. <laughs> I said, you know what, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> uh, cut it down, uh, you know, to a, tenth of <laughs> to a tenth of that. But always open your, always open your Bible. Any, any questions, comments on that? Okay, somebody asked me in the last, uh, last seminar, um, you know, today we've, we've got devices, books, which do you prefer? And uh, it doesn't matter. So long as it's the Bible, whether it's from a device or a, a, an actual book, um, you know, feel free. The important thing is that we, we get into the scripture. Take off. The most dangerous part of a, uh, not dangerous, the crucial part of a plane journey is the takeoff. Uh, and so it is with your sermon. The first two or three minutes is the most important. And I think if we lose people in the first three minutes, we have a hard job getting them back. If you get them in the first three minutes, if I can put it so crassly, uh, they, they'll, they'll stick with you. <laughs> they won't, you know. If you're going to Germany, they won't bail out over the Atlantic. They're, once they're on board, they'll stay on board. Um, and, and I think a great way to start a, a message is with something creative. Now, it can be a video. It can be a, a, a reading from the newspaper. It can be a story. It can be a testimony. Uh, but, but hook them. Example, Mark Sieber. He, he talked about Charlie Brown and Linus. Mm. He had me. I thought, you've just given me a great example for my, <laughs> for, my, for my seminar here. I don't know about you, but he had me. And so he had my attention. Uh, okay, so, so that, that, would be, that, that would be really helpful. Let it be brief, you know, two minutes. You, you, you don't want to waste your time. You want to hook people and then get into what you're, where, where you're taking them. Uh, any, anybody want to jump in there? Comment? So like, say for example, we start off the scriptures first and then go into the attention-grabbing thing. Or do we start the attention-grabbing thing and then go into the Either. Ask the Lord. And, and say, well, what do you want me to do first? Do you want me to do the scripture first or this? 
I usually do the story first and then get into the scripture. Others don't, and that's perfectly okay. Um, but both are necessary at the beginning of your, your message. Okay? Yes, yeah, please. Do you think it always has to relate? Like, Mark Hughes apparently sometimes just pulls out random jokes and he, he says it, that he will just share a random joke to get people's attention, even if it doesn't relate. But yeah. do you think it should always relate to what Not always. I think it's best if it relates. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but not always. Um, if it's both humorous and relating, that, that's a home run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I was preaching on uh, uh, Jesus saying, I am the way. We were doing the I am's. And I thought, oh boy, how can I start this message off? So I thought, you know what? Why don't I just spend a minute talking about the different roads in the world? You know, the highest road in the world, the longest road in the world, the, the fastest road in the world, which actually happens to be the 401 in Toronto. Fastest road in the world. The busiest road in the world, okay? And so we had pictures going up about these and just little uh, statements about them. Uh, and, then, and then you turn it and say, but you know what? The most important road in the world, world isn't made out of tarmac. It's a person. Wow. And it's Jesus Christ. Wow. Because he says, I am the way. You've got them. Wow. And now you, you, you've got them in the plane, the door's shut, and you, you, you're, 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 ready, you're ready for off. Um, you have to work at that. Um, I, I want to talk about this uh, in, in a minute or two, but usually I take anywhere from 20 to 24 hours to prepare a message. It's, it's usually the biggest thing in the week. When I was on staff, it was the biggest thing in the week that I did. And that's good. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you're getting bad at it or you're getting worse at it. What it means is you're being thorough. And that's important. And, and one of the time-consuming things is looking for, thinking up these things and looking for them so that you become adept in, in being able to do something interesting and creative which hooks people and helps them to remember the truth that you're talking about. Do you do that in very long periods of time so that you don't have a lot of breaks in between? So when you prepare, would you be... So if it's 24 hours, would you do that in two days or in three days? Uh, yeah, I, some, sometimes it's... Well, 25 it wouldn't be in one no, swoop. No. But it, it would be maybe over two days. Yeah. And that would be it. I'd set about, I can't be disturbed. Yeah. Just, just leave me. Uh, don't, you know, screen the calls. So, it, it's, actually it's precious. I love it. Yeah. J- just that, that time with the Lord in the Word. And like, I don't do it very often. No. Because I don't feel very gifted in teaching and, and maybe I'm selling myself short. Yes, <laughs> Probably, yeah. but the last time I did, I just like I just was struggling all week yeah. uh, to to put things together, and I was pondering things. So is it was constantly on my mind, yeah. thinking about things. Yeah. But it finally came down to spending sixteen hours straight Good. on Saturday. Yeah, and God just gave me Good. the word. 
in yeah. 16 hours. Right. But I had to just stay with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, that that's fine. And usually I stay with it maybe for two days. Maybe all day Thursday yeah. and then on Saturday. Usually for me, Saturday was my busiest day. Started early, went late. Yeah. And it was usually working on the Word. If there's time to get to these ten lessons, I bet there's some important things there that I wanted to show you. Okay, any other comments? Flight plan. Create a structure. I put the Starbucks principle. Um, by that I mean, if you go to Starbucks and ask for a pumpkin spice latte, okay, they don't come and pour it all over the table, so there you are. So you've got to be sort of, you know, sort of scoop, scooping it up and, and making the best of it. They, they give it you in a receptacle. But they give you a structure. And that's what a structure does to a sermon. It contains the good things that God's given you and the good things that you're going to give to the people. But a structure is important because it helps you prepare in a, in a progressive way it helps you to organize your thoughts so it's easier to listen to and it helps you your congregation to remember what you've yeah. said um, and, and so I think that's very very good now now um, I get my leg pulled because I like three points and, and, and so on uh, especially if they begin with the same letter or have the same sound you know I, I just love that it doesn't have to be like that I realise in the can we... I realise in this, in this day and age um, you know people are a little bit more flowy than than like that but even if you don't do that have your message logical and organized so that you don't just meander I belonged to a church in the UK for a number of years and the lead pastor there he, he loved the Lord and he really liked to, to, to share with the flock and uh, I remember one of the other elders saying afterwards he said well I haven't got a he said I've listened to John tonight and I've got a warm feeling inside but I haven't got a clue what he said. Because <laughs> it was a little bit here and a little bit there. And, and it liked this. It liked this. He poured the coffee all over the table. And so people had to sort of suck up what they could whereas they could have had you know, a nice refreshing, yeah. nice refreshing cup. So, so that that that's the the Starbucks uh, principle. Um, when you're getting a structure, and by the way, I, I think this is part of the of the um, uh, nature of the inspiration of Scripture. The more you get into the Bible, the more you realise that it, it falls apart structurally. So, for example, um, the, the leper, the story of the leper coming to Jesus. He had leprosy, that's great need. He came to Jesus, that's great faith. And he was healed, that's great reward. Well, there's your sermon. There's your structure. And then, if that's the skeleton, then, then you hang the muscle 
yeah. and scale on that skeleton and people can remember it in great need great faith great reward Acts 2 uh, the context of Pentecost they were all in one place the content of Pentecost fire and wind the consequence of Pentecost they're all blown onto the street and preached the gospel well there's a message on the Holy Spirit so and, and it falls to pieces if you look at you look at it you look at the scripture say Lord what, what's, what's the order in this and I know he'll give it to you I know he'll give it to you Okay, so you've got your order and then you look at these three points or four points or whatever. Two points maybe. <laughs> it doesn't have to rhyme, doesn't have to have the first letter that begins to say, but if it does, it helps, as long as it's not forced. I remember David Parson uh, preaching on Samson. Okay, uh, uh, Samson had long hair, there's dedication. Samson's hair got cut through his own sin. There's desecration. Samson's hair grew again. There's restoration. Wow. <laughs> that must have been 40 years ago, but it's got in my brain and I still, still remember it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was David Parson. <laughs> okay, uh, so you've got your points. And then there's three rules that I try and apply. Proclamation, illustration, Application. That they rhyme, that's just incidental. <laughs> proclamation, <laughs> illustration, application. By proclamation I mean state the truth you see as succinctly as possible. Uh, so for example, uh, on that thing on Acts 2, uh, the context of Pentecost a, uh, it says they were all together in one place here's the, here's the proclamation folks if we are looking for more of the Holy Spirit yeah. we have to prepare a vessel for him to come and that vessel is God's people together in a place of unity and in a place of prayer there's your proclamation uh, etc Okay. Now, um, when you're adding uh, to that, when, when you're looking for the truth of the scripture, that will come out of study. And um, I, I want to recommend to you a whole uh, bunch of tools that will be hopefully helpful. I think you need a good study Bible. I think you'll need a good concordance. I think you'll need a good Bible encyclopedia. A good Bible dictionary. If you're into original languages, uh, uh, a word study book. You know, something like Vines or one of those. Um, now, if you buy all those individually, it'll cost you thousands of dollars. The good thing today is that you can do it digitally through something like Olive Tree Study Bible. Which will 
give you some basic software that you can buy modules for. That will cost you hundreds of dollars, but it's well worth the investment. And it's all there on your device or your computer. Or you can just go online and get it for free, which is what I'd recommend. I've got, you know what? I've got a library, there must be, I guess, close on to a thousand books in it. If you count the little thin ones, the children's books. <laughs> but I, I rarely go there these days, because it's all online. And, and there's some great online um, resources. Preset Austin is, is a great online resource. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is another great online resource. Um, and there are many others. Uh, the neat thing about this is from a given passage of scripture you can pull up I mean dozens of commentaries on it. Uh, you, you can click another uh, tool and you'll get into the original languages on it like Strong's Numbers that, that's a great tool for that um, you click another one and, and, and so on and it's right there online and so that, that's, that's what I'd recommend that you do as part of your uh, study regime uh, any questions? Uh, as, as you are um, proclaiming um, I'd recommend that as, as a habit of proclaiming you always exalt Christ always exalt make it Christ centered I remember Brian Watts a few years ago he, he did this seminar and uh, I attended it and uh, he said you know in the old English villages 200 years ago it said there was, there was a road that always led to London. Every, not every road, but there was a village, and one of the roads would always lead to London. You never found a village that didn't have a road leading to London. He said, let that be like your sermons. Always have a road that leads to Christ. Always exalt Christ. Great advice. Okay. So proclamation, next is illustration. And by illustration I mean um, take a story, or better still, a testimony, and add it next to the proclamation. Um, so uh, here's, you know, um, day of Pentecost, they're all together in one place. Uh, you've got the context of Pentecost, you know. Uh, um, you, you've said that, that if you want the Holy Spirit to come, unity and devotion is, is powerful. Unity is powerful. In the year 1831, there was a, an iron bridge that was built in Broughton just outside Manchester, the first iron suspension bridge in England. Big, I mean, it was a technological breakthrough. Um, April, I think it was April the 12th a battalion of soldiers are marching okay. they march onto the bridge and they're marching in, in unison and suddenly it, it, it sets up resonance 
with the bridge. The bridge starts to move. And their united march literally unravels this metal bridge. And that uh, led to a dictum in the British Army that says, when soldiers march, they go over a bridge, they have to break step. Because it's too destructive when they march in unity to go over any, any sort of man-made structure. And you hang that into the spiritual realm and you realise they were in a place of unity and there was resonance that was, that was happening. Okay. The best illustrations are personal ones. Um, somebody asked me last time... Uh, <coughs> How vulnerable can you be? I think as vulnerable as possible. Because the fact that you are standing at a pulpit means, in people's mind, you're ten feet above contradiction. And for you to say, you know what, my wife and I had a row coming to church this morning. You know what that does? That just brings you down to that. You had a row as well? <laughs> to their level. So yeah, she's always in the wrong. <laughs> no, no, just... <laughs> It's usually me that's in the wrong. Uh, uh, um, but you know what I mean? To say, hey, you know what, folks? I, I wrestle with this. I was uh, doing some door-to-door work once. With those, me and a, and, a, and a guy in our church, Didier Kashima. And then there was two ladies, uh, Joyce Bardman and Pat Folletti. We were, we were going down the road over here. Us down one side, then down the other. And... Uh, um, we turned the corner and on my side there's a bunch of bikers having a barbecue in the front yard and we're door knocking and asking if we can pray with people so I see these bikers and I think oh no and this is the honest truth my, my first thought was to say okay Pat and Joyce let's swap sides now we've done half that was the honest point because I was afraid I was afraid of the confrontation uh, you, you know what that does that, that doesn't discredit you that gives you authority wow, yeah. Be- because being vulnerable makes you authentic authenticity gives you authority so uh, feel free to be as vulnerable as possible I mean obviously there's a line um, uh, that, that, that you don't cross but uh, the more vulnerable you can be the better um, those illustrations will capture people as, you, as you're continuing in your message uh, you do lose people's attention they do stray so if you say hey let me tell you a story that brings them back straight away oh I'm going to hear something interesting <laughs> As, as, opposed to, as opposed to the last 10 minutes which has been all on not really ok um, as far as these stories are concerned be proactive in collecting them I mean you know you, you might be you listen to the news or you, you reading a magazine or uh, you might be online or even in conversation and you'll hear things all the time uh, don't think well I've got to remember that because the 
chances are you won't. Write it down. And um, for years I looked for a um, a resource to record my sermon illustrations. And the best one I've found is, is through Microsoft, and it's OneNote. Little plug there for the <laughs> Microsoft representative in our midst. Uh, I, 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 I tried Evernote, and that, that's a bit of a boring, in, I found it, interface. But this, it's coloured, it's obvious, it's intuitive, and it, you, you, can, you can sort of uh, record your, your sermon illustrations, you can tab them several ways. It, it's just a great resource. It's fun to use, and it's searchable. So you think, geez, there was a story I heard about. So you type it in, boom, up it comes. If you remember to put it in. Uh, and that's all part of the investment of time. Any questions? So that we are being interactive in this. <laughs> Got to be interactive in this. is a conversation, it's not a monologue. Is there, uh, when you're collecting those things, uh, are you intentional about it? Like, you're like, I've got, I'm looking for something that would help a story or something like that that would help my message, or is it just, you know, the voice of the Holy, probably of the Holy Spirit? Or yeah. Still a small voice in your hand. Yeah, case. and it works both ways. Yeah. If, if I'm in a, a, doing a, a sermon on something, I'll Google in stories about unity or stories yeah. about whatever. Uh, and, and usually I can find something um, but just in general reading uh, there are things that come up and you think that's, that's going to go down that will be a good sermon illustration one day yeah. and so you put it in here's an example um, a number of weeks ago there, there was some very heavy rainfall in Toronto uh, the, the basement garage of an apartment block was filling up so two guys went down to move their vehicles uh, the only thing was they didn't realise how fast it was coming up so they get partly the way down well they get down to the bottom there but the water blows the lift at the elevator and they're stuck in the, in the elevator and water's coming in and it's, it's, it's rising up it's rising. I mean, it comes to their, their knees, it comes to their hips. They, one guy's got a cell phone, they're in an elevator, they can't get a signal. So one gets on the other's shoulders, knocks the, the, you know, the, the escape hatch out. Eventually he gets a signal. The policemen arrive. Uh, they can't get the door open. Eventually it's up here as the policemen get the door to open and then... They're, they're, they're rescued, they're, they're released. But they came to their rescue. Uh, what would you do with that? What, what's the point of that? Salvation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? The whole of mankind is in an elevator that's filling with water. It's mm. called the, the, the anger of God. And it's going to consume you, believe me. It's going to consume. There's no way out. But Christ will always come and open that up and let you free. Okay. Um, proclamation, illustration, application. And an application is where you ground the truth 
in the life of your hearers. A number of years ago, one of the leaders in our church said, uh, can, I, can I have a word with you? I said, sure. So he said, um, I, I, I want to talk to you about your preaching. Okay. You know, I, I didn't know whether to put my head above the parapet or duck down. And so we went in the gym and he said, I find your preaching totally irrelevant. <laughs> and I thought, wow, well, that's a bit obvious. And anyway, after I got over myself, I thought, you know what, he's right. Because it lacked application. And our, our purpose as preachers is to inform the mind, stir the emotion, and challenge the will. And challenging the will means making a change. It's not information, it's impartation, it's formation, it's getting people to, to, to move on. Stir the, uh, inform the mind, stir the emotions, challenge the will. It's, it, it's, it's, application means giving people some tools that they can pull out and use. Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, in the classroom, in, in the, uh, you know, the checkout lineup at the supermarket. Okay. Um, yeah, you had, please. You had, when you came out of Fargo, you had shared, uh, if you could context, you, you talked about a lesson to learn, a sin to avoid, a warning to heed, an action to take. Yes. Or just a principle for... Yeah, that, 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 that is a, a, that's a great application. Is, is there a sin you can avoid here? Uh, is, is, is there a principle you can put in operation? You know, you preach on tithing. Uh, Israel tithed, God blessed. You know what the application is? <laughs> Go and do likewise. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Here's your application for this. If, if you don't have faith to tithe, give God three months. Do it for three months, and if you're worse off, stop. Because God says that's what you can do. Put me to the test. See if I won't do it. Uh, th- there's a great point of application. Um, so what, what was it? A sin to avoid, a principle to operate. Oh, so a lesson to learn. A lesson to, to learn. learn. Warning to heed. A warning to heed. To take. That was yours. You said that. Well, there you go. <laughs> you got that. So. Well, I find that uh, sometimes I struggle with that. So any system that you can give very direct. Education, yes. Right? Yes. Sometimes when I go like you know my dad's pastor and he preaches, doesn't give applications. Well, why do you say that what Christ was enough? Uh-huh. I came there seeking something else. Yeah, sometimes the Holy Spirit will take what you're saying and apply it. Um, I think if we're learning to be better preachers, it, it's, it's good to be able to look for some, how you can spell it out for some people. So, you, you know, and, and then let the Holy Spirit take that. <coughs> Okay, um, and the final one is landing. Don't keep circling the airport. <laughs> you know, 
You, you, you know what it means when a preacher says finally? It means absolutely nothing, yeah. Yeah, we're in for another 20 minutes, yeah. I remember going to Mexico with a team and the guy was preaching, one of our guys, and he just kept circling the airport round and I was at the back. Land the plane, land the plane, get it on the runway, stop, stand up, speak up, shut up, sit down. <laughs> so, um, land the plane, uh, do a recap, tell a story, set a task, call for a response, or just sit down. I've finished. Let me pray for you. Land the plane. Uh, one of the best started, by the way, going back to openness, when Bethany uh, spoke, uh, you gave your testimony about Los Angeles. That was powerful. That was powerful. I thought, that is a 10 out of 10 gold star, 100%. Governor General's Award <laughs> way to start a sermon. I mean, it, there was there, there was photographs <laughs> the back of the taxi. It was that was excellent. Uh, okay. Any questions, comments? Because it's good. We've got twelve. Do we have twelve minutes? Or is it half past? We finish. What? 11.30. Okay, so we don't have time. Let, let me just say, um, these, we've got two minutes then. These ten lessons I learned the hard way. Let me just, just quickly go through them. Number one, adopt God's agenda. Don't ask him to adopt yours. Lord, how can I say what you are blessing rather than Will you bless what I'm saying? Very important. Number two, prepare thoroughly. I remember I had a dry patch uh, uh, one time. And in asking the Lord what was wrong, he showed me three vessels like this. Okay. And he said, this is your sermon. He says, this is your preparation. And, and, and he said, the reason you hit a dry spot is because your supply is down here. So when you turn the faucet on, nothing comes out. Because you've not filled up the tank of your own spirit. Okay. Here is the discipline of study. And if you keep studying, studying will keep this tank replenished mm -hmm. and there'll always be something to put in your message. Don't let your studying be your preparation. Mm -hmm. Let your preparation be the outflow of your studying. Number three, pray about your message because anointing is better than oratory. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I really enjoyed listening to Ern Baxter, who was an orator. And truth be told, I, I imitated him a bit. 
but I got, I got my leg pulled so much. Well, what does that mean? What word does that mean? It's a $5 word. <laughs> you can remember. <laughs> Flowery language. Eh? And uh, oratory is no substitute for anointing. Jesus never used long flowery words. But he was anointed. Okay, number four. We've already said use stories, especially personal ones. Number five. When you write your sermon, and I prefer personally a full manuscript. Personally. And you don't have to. If you prefer an outline, so long as it's prepared and you know where you're going, that's good. Um, but read it through and edit it. I, I can edit sometimes as, as many, well, at one time I think I counted six edits. Just go through, cut out, read it again. Oh, reorganize it, read it again. Add something in, read it again. So you're refining, 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 refining. You're, you're throwing the bones out of the stew. You're, you're, you're mulching down the, the, uh, the bits of vegetable in there so that what you're presenting is a nutritious broth that's been through many processes of preparation. Number six, remember more is less. Uh, aim for 30 minutes to 35 minutes. That's rule 35. Val said to me one time, she said, you know what? It's like the congregation has a listening tank, like an oxygen tank, except it's not full of oxygen. It's full of the capacity to listen. And the minute you start talking, it starts going down. So don't waste your time telling a joke, reintroducing yeah. yourself, going here, going... It's going down, 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 down. Uh, and, and it's about 35 minutes. You, you t- I, I, last seminar here, I knew people were done. There people going like this. Well, I think it's time to finish. <laughs> okay, number eight. Uh, uh, I think we've done number seven. Not information, impartation. Number eight, exalt Christ. Number nine, use a PowerPoint because the ear gate is not enough. You need the eye gate too. And number 10, take a risk. Um, In Acts, it always talks about seeing and hearing. Uh, They preached and then they performed miracles. Take a risk. Give a word of knowledge. Ask to pray for people. Call people out. So that your message isn't just proclamation, but it's demonstration too.